Welcome to another edition of More Than Football here at the Triple M Studios. My name is Tim Baker and today I get to talk to my esteemed colleague, Director of Football, Bruce Chitte. Welcome, mate. Thanks for having me, esteemed <laughs> colleague. Yeah, well, you know, we are now. We um, And I was thinking about that because, you know, uh, we've been working together for a few months, but we haven't really had the opportunity necessarily to really get to know each other, Bruce. And I feel like this might be our opportunity. Well, you know what? I was surprised by the lack of, you know, team building in the office environment, you know. <laughs> Being a player, you go, you got a few dinners, you know, team That's dinners, true. nights out. Yeah. Uh, I think it's sorely lacking in our office at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll just put that out there. No, well, everyone's so busy. That's that part is of a busy it. Period. The off season. That's a busy period. Yeah, it is. The off season is uh, actually a really busy period. So you know, I have friends and family who'd be like, "Oh, so you must get some time off now." It's like, nope. We gotta we gotta prepare for the next season. Mm. So, with that in mind, you are a busy man. So mm. I do appreciate that you're sitting down with me today. You've made time. But um, I was late. I'll apologize. <laughs> That's all right. Well, you know, in podcast land, it's on demand. Yeah. There's no times. It's fine. What I do want to talk about is like your role um, is one of the busiest of all. And I think perhaps over, because I see everything that happens on social. And so let that be a lesson. Everybody listening, I see it all. Um, there is this perception out there that even if we're not signing players, like we're really just not doing anything. Mm. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So take us inside your role because you're always talking to agents, you're always talking to players, and you know, you're know you always on. So just take us inside what a day is in your position. Yeah, well, the days are pretty busy. Starts with a school drop-off early in the morning, you know, as mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, I drive into work. But... You know, it depends on uh, who we're signing and pretty much where they come from. So mm-hmm. earlier on in the piece, when we were concentrating more on our foreign players, um, speaking to, to Christian Opset's agent who's in Norway, Michael Maria's in Holland, you know, I'm getting calls at 2, 3 a.m. because mm-hmm. over there it's lunchtime for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'd always ask them, why well, am I always on your time? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's 2 in the morning here. Yeah. So um, the hours are pretty long. It's, it's I won't say nonstop, but but the, the hours are pretty long, which is fine. I don't mind. Um, I like being busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot happens before the signing, yeah. right? So that, I'd assume people understand it. Maybe they don't. But... Um, before the public knows of a signing or anything gets released, there would be anywhere from, you know, two to six weeks of work that, that, that probably has gone into it. So from initial contact, whether we contact the agents or uh, an agent's putting players to us, which happens all the time. I've got, I've got a pretty good filter now in my, mm-hmm. in my inbox for, you know, rubbish agents and... <laughs> take them seriously agents Um, and and once you filter through all that I mean initially I came with a short list of people I wanted anyway Mm -hmm. so I know all the Aussie players Um, I think it's important to have good Aussie players in your team if you want to be challenging Uh, Mm -hmm. so I just targeted my short list so all the people sending me players and everything was all noise to me mm-hmm. unless it was something spectacular that I needed to stand up and take note of mm-hmm. which there wasn't really um, you know I just worked off my short list and the list was about eight players long 
so not not a great deal. I didn't have to do a great number of signings in terms mm. of volume. We, we've kept our squad pretty much intact from last season. But, um, you know, on that list, there, there, there was a number that we couldn't get, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be fair, the ones close to the top of the list we were able to get, which, 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 has, been, which has been positive. Didn't envisage losing Craig Goodwin, so we've lost some good players too. Yep. We've gained some good players as well. Um, if, if, if the players we've signed have good seasons, I think we're in a better position than what we were last year. Um, in saying that, business still not done. So uh, still talking to, to, to a few and, and hopefully sign at least one more before the, before the season starts. But that's the thing. You, you have a lot of talks. You have a lot of negotiations. There's a lot of clauses, you know, the timing, the salary is obviously a big thing um, um, for the players and the agents. So all those sort of things need to align. Mm-hmm. Um, the coach has to tick off on it as well. You know, he's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to give him the best ingredients to create yeah. the best product. He's going to be the one working with the ingredients to create the product day in, day out. Yeah. My work after two to six weeks is finished, right? In the sense that the player's landed mm-hmm. and he's here and, and now he's training every day with the coach. So it's important the coach has more interaction with the players than I do, um, um, is, is happy with the people we're signing as well. So, so far it's been so good, but yeah, there's a lot of work. Like I don't envy, I mean, it depends how you want to do your job. You can do it properly or you can just do it to do it. Um, I don't envy the Brisbane's and the Wellington's of the world who had signed 13, 14 players, yeah. but, um, yeah, does, look, you can do this job and just sign Tom, Dick and Harry, of course, but if you want to, do it well, I think you've got to be diligent and really nitpick who you want to bring into the mm. club. And you certainly ha- have done that. And, you know, it, it's just that insight into the process because it's not just, okay, we're going to have him and then we're going to sign no. him and then, okay, we're done. It's no, not like that no, at no. all. There's a, there's a lot of convincing involved. You yeah. know? No, you don't want to go there. Why do you want to go there? You want to come here. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we, this is the best place for you to play your football. You know, yeah. What's not to love about Adelaide <laughs> and Adelaide United Football Club? You know? Yeah, that's right. And you know, at, a, at a club like ours as well, it's, um, we're on the smaller side compared to the A-League. So you're asked to do things outside of your role a little bit too. Um, and everyone has to pitch in and do things too. So... You know, there are there are other aspects and other things that that come into play day to day that you just don't necessarily account for. Yeah, definitely. And but to be fair, that's one of the key reasons I took the role. You know, um, if I was just completely siloed into football, mm. then I probably wouldn't have taken it. If I'm honest. Yeah. Um, but but the ability to help the guys in commercial or, or to help Ruben in in community mm-hmm. or, or Jordan with the media mm-hmm. um, gives me a greater sort of scope it makes my day a bit more dynamic as well mm-hmm. um you know i get to come here and do a podcast that's instead right. of sitting at my office and replying to emails yeah. uh during this time so yeah um that that sort of keeps it fresh keeps it yeah. good and you know i'm passionate about community and i'm passionate about the media mm-hmm. um you know so being in those spaces and operating in, in those spaces or lending a helping hand if you like yeah um is something that that i do really enjoy doing Anytime you want to jump in in the digital space for me, mate, you can. Yeah, you I'm can not do sure that. about the digital space. I, I like to work in the real world. Yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I understand. Um, but what has what what do you think's been your biggest challenge so far? Is it 
is it job related or is it like the balancing of work life and yeah, family? Probably work life balance. We don't have a great work life balance in, <laughs> in our office either, if I'm honest. <laughs> but um I I enjoy I enjoy the, the I enjoy the, the, the work side of it. Mm-hmm. Um I've always enjoyed being busy and doing stuff. Like even when I played, um I didn't just play, I studied at the same time and uh, you know, just playing football wasn't sort of enough. Um so so I, I enjoy how busy it is. And to be fair, on the weekends, I, I don't answer my phone unless it's really important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just call people back on Monday, you know. Yeah. And probably now people are like, I can't get a hold of Bruce on the weekend, <laughs> you know. But yeah. over time, they'll say, don't bother calling Bruce on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> he doesn't answer the freaking phone. <laughs> because on the weekend, it's all about the family for me. Yeah. I mean, obviously now it's in season and the games are on during mm-hmm. the weekend. Like I said, if the, if the name pops up and it's important... I'm answering that call. Yeah. The name pops up and they don't leave a voicemail or yeah. I'll just answer. I'll just call them back on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. I I can agree. Like I prioritize these things. You got it. That's right. <laughs> and you know, I might be in the digital space, but like I, I do not check my emails when I go home at night. You know, I go see my daughter and my wife and then, you know, I'll check my emails. I don't um, really early in the morning. Yeah. Like two or three. I've yeah. noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> I've got an email from you. You know, I might get up and I'll be like, let me just check what's happening here. Yeah. You know, and then it saves me time in the day, to be yeah. fair. For me, social's a different story. I'll, uh, you know, I can't help myself sometimes and I'll jump in and I may answer a message or an inbox or something at, you know, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night just because I don't want to leave leave people hanging. Mm. But, um, you know, for the most part, try to shut off. Yeah. But um, are there any aspects, you know, of the job that you weren't expecting have now surprised you, disappointed you? Maybe not disappointed. Let's not go negative, but... No, um, the only thing that surprised me has been the involvement of parents in our youth team. Okay. Which is strange because their kids are about 20 years old. Right. So I didn't expect that. That okay. was the unexpected. I don't mind it. I mean, you know, good on them for having a keen interest in the rest. But that was a surprise, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, mm. In what ways? I don't know if, if I want to poke the bear here, but... No, no, <laughs> no poking. So um, we re- restructured our youth setup in the sense that we've cut back the numbers. We mm-hmm. had too many numbers. We had 36 players for two teams, host of players not playing, and host of players not playing enough. Mm-hmm. So now we've cut that back to about 30, 29-odd. Um, and the idea is that those players will play 90 minutes because mm-hmm. you've got to think that there'll obviously be some injuries, some people will be away uh, with national teams, so that those squads will run pretty thin. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, instead of pushing people down the ladder, which is what we were doing, scholarship players coming down to play youth, youth players going down to play reserves, reserves players not playing at all, um, and a host of youth players not playing at all either, um, we're going to start pushing them up. So we'll mm-hmm. push them up from NTC. We'll keep scouting outside of NTC. You know, some of the NPL clubs have some some good talented young players and some good programs. Um, so they'll fill up the reserves. Reserves will fill up the youth if there's a shortage. And the youth, the best ones, should be sitting on the bench if not playing in the A-League. That's yeah. the idea that I have in my mind. So in that process, you've got to cut a few people. And the, the 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 process the the reasoning is is quite legitimate. I mean, a lot of the boys uh, who, who who weren't happy with being cut, which which was all of them, obviously. Some took it better than others. Some saw it coming. Some didn't. Um, but I said to all of them, "There's no point you wearing our tracksuit and not playing any games, buddy. Yeah. It doesn't work." 
It's not good for us because you're not developing as you should. It's not good for you because you're not playing enough games developing as you should. It's not good for the NPL clubs who could do with more talented players and we're just hoarding players here. It doesn't work. Mm. So, um, so, look, then I got some call from some parents and blah, blah, blah. What do you mean? Little Johnny's not in the team sort of thing. And that can happen. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But... At a, as a 20-year-old, like when I was 21, I was in Turkey by myself. Mm. My parents were not involved in my football. Probably the reason I had an okay career. Um, I, th- I think some parents can damage their kids. And it's not just me. Imagine being a school teacher now. Oof. Yeah. I speak to some school teachers. They're like, Bruce, you've got no idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> kid fails maths, it's a teacher's fault. You know, right. <laughs> it's a school's fault. You're not educating my kid. No, your kid's just not intelligent. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Or he's intelligent, but he's just not good at maths. He could yeah. be good at something else. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that, but it's not yeah. just here. It's, it's, I think it's society. It's a broader, it's a broader yeah, context broader around theme. this. Yeah, yeah. It's a broader yeah. theme. hundred percent. Um, how difficult are those conversations to have? Yeah. Difficult conversations. Don't, I don't shirk them. I mean, no, definitely not. I want to go to bed. I got young kids too. Yeah. So I want to go to sleep thinking, you know, dad's a good guy. He, he mm-hmm. didn't do anything wrong today. And the, 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 the right thing is to have the tough conversation and to let everyone know where they stand rather than sugarcoating things, leading people down a garden path where they just approach the cliff and in the end, they're not going to make it anyway. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, 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 the difficult conversation, and there's, there's been a host of them um, since taking the role, um, are welcomed by me. Mm-hmm. I don't mind them. Um, at least I'm being honest. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, everyone's entitled to, to their opinion. But if, if I want to be the nice guy with everyone, then at the end of the day, it's going to become a big mess, mm. <laughs> everything. And yeah. then I'll really have problems because I'll, 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 I wouldn't have been genuine, you know. So um, the conversations are only difficult in the fact that you're delivering negative news sometimes, yeah. you know. But that also depends on how people want to take it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we go back to the youth uh, setup, um, you know, I came here on trial as an 18, 19 year old and I didn't get selected first time around. And, you know, the John Cosmina chose Nathan Burns, more versatility, yada, yada. I had to go back to the AIS. I came back. They back then used to have injury replacement contracts. I'd come back for four weeks, go back to the AIS when that player rehabbed himself, then come back for four weeks mm-hmm. if someone else got injured. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that for about six months. Yep, I remember. You know, I didn't yeah. just give up and yeah. say, okay, well, if if you're not going to pick me now, then yeah. you know, I'm going to I'm going to spit chips. I was like, no, okay, that's fine, you know. But I'm going to go back there, oh, yes, and make sure that if Adelaide or another club uh, uh, call me up, mm-hmm. I'm game ready to play. Yeah. I can rock up and not skip a beat, you know, or miss a beat. Um, I'm finding that mentality less yeah in our youth setup anyway whether that's our fault or the individual's fault i'm not quite sure where do you think where does that um strengthen that ability to have those difficult conversations or bounce back from rejection or whatever Mm. where do you think that trait in you comes from Mm. have you always always had that i've always just been honest guy yeah so like even now people say like oh is it hard like you got to negotiate contracts with people you played with or yeah you know you gotta you gotta you gotta you know, you're in charge of 
your mates mm. almost, you know. But I've always been really good at compartmentalizing things. Yeah. I never brought, if I was having a bad patch in football, never brought it home. Um, if, if, if things were going well, I didn't, I didn't, you know, get ahead of myself. Things were going bad. I didn't get down on myself. I've, I've always been able to keep a pretty even keel. Mm. I'm pretty good at controlling that voice in your head, in my head, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I had negotiations. Some people on my shortlist getting offers, I don't know, 50% more than what we could offer, mm-hmm. probably 25% more than what they deserve to get paid. And I told them. Yeah. So, mate, you got to take that. Yeah. You know as well as I do, you're not worth that. <laughs> so take it. <laughs> I can have that discussion because that's the truth. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I guess maybe not too many people can do that, but I've been like that since I was a player, since I was at school, yeah, right. since forever. So when I say that to someone I know, they're like, yeah, I knew you would say that. <laughs> well, you know, but it's right. It's true. You yeah. know? Um, it's the same negotiating contracts. You know, I, I know what what market value is for for most of these players i can offer them a fair deal and tell them it's fair or you know i'm not i'm not i'm not the type and you know i know the club's done this back back in the day where they'd offer a contract knowing that that person's not going to accept it because that's just such a poor offer i'm not going to do that i'd rather have the discussion say listen buddy what we could offer you is so rubbish, I'm not even going to bother offering you anything. You know, just, it's not going to work. Um, I'd rather take that approach rather mm-hmm. than, you know, because at least I think if you disagree with someone or you have a different view, as long as you can justify it and you're honest about it, they might be pissed off with you or upset at the time. But going forward, there'll be a moment where they say, you know what, that was probably, that was probably fair enough. Yeah. You know, if it's reasonable... You know, if it's if it's all above board and it's all on the table, that's a rational person will come to that conclusion. Yeah. It's when you do things like lowballing someone or show some sort of disrespect, then in the future also they'll remember you for that. Mm. You know, so it's better to have the difficult conversation now and have mutual respect going forward than to sort of duck and weave now yeah, and then fracture that relationship for the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of already said it there. It, yeah. It's, you know, do you find then that these players that you're talking to and you're being upfront with like that, that there is, you're establ- establishing that trust, even if you don't sign them, that trust and that respect. Mm. So who knows? You know, you make yeah, it back together later back. on. Exactly. You yeah. know, it's a small world, man. Yeah, that's right. It's a really small that world. That even so. smaller. Exactly. <laughs> so it's important not to burn your bridges and, you don't want to burn your bridges, just treat everyone, you know, equally and fairly and honestly. That does it for part one with Bruce Chittag. Stay tuned for part two where we find out how Bruce rates himself in his role so far and a little bit more that goes beyond football. Uh, this isn't a performance review or anything, but how would you assess yourself so far? Oh, I think we're in the honeymoon period now, <laughs> so everything's great. You know, we haven't lost any games. We're in yeah. the FA Cup final. Yeah. Um, you know, the season hasn't kicked off yet. You know, I think I sort of want to, as the season definitely, as, as as the season starts, just sort of move myself back into the in, in, into the shadows, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know the boys getting to their FA Cup final is down to the boys. Not to do with anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the the season, what happens on the pitch, you know, it's up to the players and the coaching staff. You know, um, I think the bulk of my work is during the off season, 
probably in January, we're going to have to do a bit of work as well in terms of recruitment side. And now it's about ensuring that there's a high performance environment, the standards are there, the culture's there, and the playing style's there. You mm-hmm. know, whether we're winning, losing or drawing, we, we want to play a certain style of football. And I think it's important that I'm a gatekeeper for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to take credit for wins and, and probably on the flip side, I don't want to be blamed for losses either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so um, look, I think as the season starts, then, then I'll start to slowly moonwalk myself back into the shadows (laughs) yeah i don't know if it comes it probably does come as a bit of a relief but as we get into games and we sort of in head office get into a routine and you know what i mean it's uh it's always hectic in this last month leading up to the season um but then you kind of yeah you get into a routine and i think you'll find like everyone's going to be focused on on pitch yeah football will be doing the talking yeah you know um but I just want to quickly talk to you about you as a player because, you know, you had 133 appearances for Adelaide United, Premiership, Championship, FFA Cup. So what stands out to you the most from your time as a player with the club? Is it the trophies or something that we might not expect? Mm, the grand final is pretty special. Mm-hmm. That, that definitely stands out. Um, the trophies were good. You know, I think it's, it's awesome to have won all the domestic trophies available with the one club yeah um the camaraderie was was really good i mean i got on really well with the staff as well as the players and there were a few years there where we had a really good group mm-hmm. you know um when the spaniards were coaching us the the the, the camaraderie and togetherness was 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 really tight um in the early stages with john cosmina and Aurelio vidmar the camaraderie was was really tight as well, so there were some really uh, uh, positive things, um, and I got a lot to be thankful for that, that the club gave me mm. friendships. You know, um, a, a big part of my life uh, playing with the club. So yeah, uh, special times. I mean, again, the trophies are nice, the goals are good, but on the flip side as well, that togetherness you have. You know, the grand final loss, six nil. Mm-hmm. No, I was there um, for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember so it well. I, <laughs> I know um, you were. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of positives and that's the another key reason why I came back because mm-hmm. I just love the club so much. So there's, you know, a new chapter now, new book about to be written. That's right. So that's true. But I still, it's a good one. I, I still want to go back to that chapter because that run of goals on the way to the championship, you know, it was a rich vein of form, you know, so... As an amateur striker myself that mm. has uh, experienced these uh, <laughs> runs of goals, um, just take us inside that. Like, how, how do you – what's the mindset? How do you keep that going? Like, how do you – you know, what drives you? No, I think at the end of the day, your job's to help the team win. I, kept, I keep saying that. Like, uh, whether that's scoring the winner in the 90th minute or defending a corner in the 92nd minute mm. because you're winning 1-0 and, you know, your centre-back scored – and you as the striker have to come back and, and you know, mark a, a play on a corner. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, you clear the ball with, with a header. You know, at the end of the day, there's no point scoring a hat-trick and losing 4-3. Yeah. I think Thidio did that once against Melbourne Victory, right? So what's the good in that? Yeah. Um, you're better off not scoring and, and winning 1-0, you know, and your goalkeeper score, you know, who cares <laughs> as long as the team wins. So yeah. every game I'd go in, um, trying to do my best for the team, um, if I was scoring the winner or scoring, or, or um, that was obviously a 
positive. That's a mm-hmm. benefit. That's 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 a bonus. But I'd rather not score any goals throughout a whole season and win the championship than score thirty and come last. Put yeah, it that way. Yeah. Uh, is your would your favourite goal be that one from outside the box against Melbourne City in the semi final? It's I know it's a lot of fans' favourite. Oh, I don't know if it's my favourite, but it, it was yeah. probably one of the most significant. Yeah. Just the way the game was. It was really tight encounter, semi-final. Everyone in the back of their mind wants to bring a grand final to Adelaide. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully we do it again soon, but it's getting harder and harder every year. So, you know, to, to break the deadlock at that time, I don't care if it was a nice goal as it was, or if it was a scrappy goal and it just yeah. trickles over the line, I think it was a significant goal to, you know, from then on the team grew in confidence and, and we ended up steamrolling them in, yeah. the, in the semi-final. So in terms of signific- significance, it was probably the most significant goal during my time here. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned, you know, Melbourne victory 16 way back then. Uh, even even though when you first, and you talked about when you first started with the club, um, I wrongly assumed at that time that you were actually from Adelaide as well, but you, you weren't. So that's, that's what I want to get to is that you were born in the US, mm. you moved to Sydney when you were three, mm. dad from Ivory Coast, mum from Togo. So it's, it's an interesting background there. So just talk to me a bit about that because when, when was the first time you came to Adelaide? Was that the first on trial? When I came on trial, yeah yeah, 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 right. yeah. So I've never been to Adelaide, you know. Yeah. I've been all around the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Adelaide? Yeah. <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> <laughs> Typical sort of response that most people will give when you when, when you mention Adelaide. But, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I've always been sort of global citizen, if you like. I've always felt like it, there was nothing actually that really pulled me to one place. So yeah. when I was deciding to stop playing, I'm like, I wonder where I'm going to live. Yeah, I'm like, do I go back to Sydney? Do I go back to Adelaide? To be fair, it was always Sydney or Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brothers live in New York now, so like, there was yeah, nothing okay. sort of pulling me in any specific direction. Like, yeah. where's home? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do I need to move to the states as well? <laughs> so, um, you know, I think uh, my wife being from here, the club being here, um, two key reasons to come here, and I love this place. Yeah, uh, for me Adelaide is better than Sydney. You know, I spent the first six months back in Sydney because I was working with Fox Sports there, and um, yeah, Sydney's good. Like I was, I was, I was working with Fox Sports, which isn't any very long hours or very strenuous work. Mm-hmm. So I had all the time in the world to you know, go to the beaches, go to the uh, opera house, go hang out at the harbour, and do all the nice touristy. I felt like a tourist in, in my yeah, own right. city, but um, the lure of Adelaide is just too much i mean the the quality of life here um the the benefits of 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 living in south australia uh, are great and it's actually a city that has tremendous potential people have said that since i got here and they talk about olympic dam and the potential and blah blah they're still talking about it now um but honestly in the last two three years i think it's really started to kick on you know, okay. you've seen some construction. I can see three cranes outside this window, just, yeah. just you know, five if I look <laughs> further afield. Um, so there's actually stuff happening in Adelaide now. It's, it's, it's actually catching up, if you like. It's got a lot of catching up to do, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But, um, but it's, 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 it's a place that's transforming. It's, it's uh, you, know, they, you know, I know the government always talks about bringing people back and stopping the exodus of, of yep. talent uh, mm-hmm. uh, from South Australia. And I think they're definitely on the right path in doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. I came back. 
Not yeah. talented, but I came. <laughs> yeah, <I'm sure laughs> plenty of people who you were talented enough. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. There seems to be a bit of a um, an opportunity here for South Australia now. Yeah, There's like new tech. A lot of positivity. Yeah, space you know, Space as well. agency. Stuff yeah, it's happening now. You yeah. know, when I first came, I, was, I lived at Oaks Horizons, which is on North Terrace, right? Right. And they'd always talk about Adelaide Oval. We're going to redo Adelaide Oval. We're going back to 2007 or something here, yeah. right? Then I came back in 2011. They were still talking about it. <laughs> and I was just like, are these guys joking or what? <laughs> but now they've done the Oval. They, you know, they're redoing the casino. They've yeah. got the bridge. You know, they've got the medical research centers and, and all this sort of stuff happening. It's starting to happen yeah. now, you know. And you've got to build it first and then people will come. That's you know, right. here there's a mentality of, no, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Like, mm. don't build a high rise here. <laughs> you know, want three story buildings maximum. Yeah. You know? I mean, my first day in Adelaide, I was in Rundle Mall for about half an hour. And I said to my mate, I just said, so let's go to the city now. Well, this place is good, but let's go to the city. He's like, um. <laughs> We're in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying like that this should be a concrete jungle. I'm just saying that, you know, if, if, if you build a new stadium on the riverbank, then, then, then you're going to get more events and you're going to uh, be a better tourist attraction and economically it's going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you do the north-south corridor, which they are doing, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to save, pro- you're, going, you're going to increase productivity, you know, you're going to lose less uh, in economic costs in terms of Sydney in traffic and all the rest that Sydney is really grappling with and Melbourne more and more is grappling mm-hmm. with now. So, you know, there's a lot of benefits to South Australia. There's a lot of reasons to be here. They've got the shipbuilding. There's a lot of things happening, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Just a matter of harnessing that. That's right. And, you know, bringing the state up. But i got a belief that that can be done. Yeah. That's Inclu- why I'm here. Including a new stadium. The new stadium's important. I think yeah. that needs to get done. But on the flip side, you know, they're still ramping ambulances at the hospital. <laughs> I <True>. sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? fair enough. Uh, well, look, we're glad you're back here in Adelaide and thank you for coming in for, uh, for your honesty and your frankness. Really appreciate that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you again to Triple M. Uh, download the Triple M app if you haven't already. Hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast and thank you for listening. 